Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. So, Psalm 19, from verse 7. We've read it. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Children, please, tell me, let's discuss. Can you explain that verse, that first part of the verse? When they say the law of the Lord is perfect, what does it mean? Yes, don't feel shy. Let's talk. It, it has no faults in it. No faults in it. What else? What does perfect mean? Can somebody else add to that? Like faultless and without any blemish. There's nothing that you can change to make it better. Exactly. Perfect. There is nothing you can change about it to make it perfect, to, 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 to improve on it. It is perfect. It is spotless. It is, it's what you need. You don't need to change anything. You know, we're talking about the coronavirus. And we saw that even for the coronavirus to operate, it needs to change. (laughs) It's interesting. It needs to change. But beloved brethren, the God we are dealing with does not need to change. It doesn't change. Men may change. Times and culture may change. Things we do in the world can change. But beloved, the, lo- the God we are dealing with, he is an unchanging changer. He does not change. So everything about his word, everything about his counsel, his, 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 his instructions to us, does not change. It is actually perfect. Now, because it is perfect, look at what it does. It converts the soul. My translation says, converting the soul. It's very interesting. Um, Jethro, you said, the law of the law is perfect. You read it in Amplified, verse 7. The law of the law is perfect. Restoring. So, Restoring the whole person. person. Yes. Mm -hmm. So apart from converting the soul, the soul that might be heading in a different direction, heading in the wrong direction, the law of the Lord can convert it. It can also revive or restore the soul that has backsliding. So if, as a Christian, you are meant to be working with God, and then you start backsliding. The law, the word of God can turn you back. It can bring you back. It can set you on the right course. Now, at times, you may ask the question, if the law of the Lord is so perfect, if the law of the Lord can convert the soul and transform the life of the soul, why is it? that it does not happen when the word of God is spoken. Why is it that God does not, why is it that automatically, once the word of God comes, things should happen, isn't it? But let me remind you, the God we are dealing with has not made me and you robots. 
God needs your cooperation to some extent. We are going to look at it in scripture now. Every time God is going to move in our generation, he needs to find a willing vessel that will cooperate with him. Because when you were created, God made you a free moral agent. So you have your own will. You are not a robot. God did not say, oh, you are a robot. So our robots behave according to how they have been computed to behave. That's a robot. A robot will do what the, the instructions he has received. He has no option but to obey command. And he has no choice. He can't question it. Dominic, you're welcome. Yes, you're welcome. Yes, so we are looking at um, the word of God and the reliability of the word of God. And we are examining Psalm 19, yes. verse 7. Down, we, we just read verse 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. So the word of God, the Bible is saying, is perfect, converting the soul. And we're saying, why is it that even when the word of God comes, it still does not do what it needs to do in the life of a man? Is because for us men, for us human beings, we have a will. And what God is looking for, he's looking for those who will submit their will to his own so that he can do his work in our lives. And at times, God is very patient. God keeps working on your heart so that his will can come to pass in your life. And it's important we understand this because we will soon see a very short story. We know the story. We will soon see the, the deficiency of, of us as human beings, as Christians at times. Why the word of God doesn't work in our hearts, in our lives expressed. Now, can we go to, so we have looked at that. We've been reassured. And we believe the word of God. The Bible says in the rest part of that verse, the testimony of the Lord is sure. The testimony, what God does actually is sure. Making wise the simple. You can't question it. Can I look at it in another translation? It says, verse seven, let me read it from New Living Translation. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Beloved, we can trust the word of God. They are trustworthy. Because it's perfect, because it's trustworthy, it is only wise for me and you to rely on it, depend wholeheartedly on it. So let me, let's go to, we want to now explore, why is it that even when the word of God has said this about his word, why is it that we struggle? What is wrong with my heart at times that I can't respond quickly to the word of God? Can I just show you an incident? In Luke chapter 
24. Luke 24. It's a story you've read. We've all, we know that story. It's a story about the disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. And the Bible said, you know the story, the Bible said they were walking along. They were going to Emmaus. And as they were going, they were talking to each other. Let me, maybe I should read it from verse 13. The Bible says, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Instead, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain men, certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see, verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? Verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I will stop there. Very interesting story. And beloved brethren, it's wonderful to read it again. Because I'm discovering, you see, even as I was reading it, there are some things God just opened my eyes to see now. I will share with you. You see, the, these disciples or these brothers, remember, they were walking to Emmaus and Jesus came, but they did not recognize him. The Bible said their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. You see, as I read that scripture, something dropped in my heart straight away. The question that came was, why is it that their eyes were held back from recognizing Jesus? 
Can we, can we discuss? Why? Why is it? You see, let me read it from another translation. Or if you have amplified, amplified, can you read that verse 7? No, verse um, 16. What did verse 16 say? Amplified. What verse uh, now, George? Verse 16 of Luke 24. Yeah. But their eyes were held, so they did not recognize them. Do you see what the Bible says? Their eyes were held. It's as if somebody was holding their eyes. It's very interesting, those words. Now, the question is, why were their eyes held? You know, it, it touches my heart that you see, their eyes were held, their eyes were restrained from recognizing Jesus. Do you know why? Because remember what Jesus said in verse 25, and that's what we want to look at. Jesus said, look at it. Jesus said to them in verse 25, all foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Do you see something there? Once you don't believe the word of God, your eyes will be held from Recognizing Jesus from knowing him. Look at what the Bible said. Their eyes were held from knowing Jesus. Verse 16. It said, so my translation says, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. They did not recognize Jesus. The reason is because they did not believe. Oh! the prophets had spoken about Jesus. And look at it. Now, when Jesus wanted to correct that situation, what did he do, please? The Bible said, he began at Moses, he began in the law and the prophets and expounded to them in all the scriptures concerning himself. Wonderful. So, they wanted, Jesus wanted, Jesus did not want to leave them without recognize, them recognizing him. And the only way Jesus could do it was to bring the word of God, to bring the prophets, the law, back to them and expound on it and dissect it. So that later on, if you notice later on, the Bible said, when he broke bread and blessed it, their eyes were opened. Do you see? Their eyes were opened. My eyes, your eyes, will be opened more and more once we keep believing the word of God. Once, you know, you, 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 you pray. You say, oh God, I want to know you more. Oh God, I want you to Take me deeper. 
is very straightforward. What God is going to do is that he's going to ex- open your heart to believe the word of God. And the prayer, and this is a serious prayer we need to pray for ourselves. As individuals, as a group, look at verse 25. Jesus highlighted the problem. He said, oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. Beloved brethren, at times, we are slow of heart to believe the word of God. They're reading. At times, the word of God is clear, but we want to over-explain it. We are slow of heart to believe it. At times, the word of God comes in simplicity, but because we are slow of heart, we don't want to accept it. And that was what Jesus was trying to address in the lives of these brothers. And do you know what? God, you see, as I read it again, I said, oh God, help me. This matter of being slow of heart to believe you. Lord, you need to help me. I don't just want to read scriptures and read it for academic purposes. And just say, oh, well, do you know scriptures? Oh, yes, I know scriptures. And then you, you, you quietly pride in the fact that you can, you know the, the theological basis. <laughs> you know the, the, the systematic theology of the prophets. You can, you, can, you can give us a systematic account of Moses' experience on the mount from Genesis. Oh, sorry, from Exodus. And you can compare and contrast it. You see, this is all theology. I'm trying to, I'm trying to itemize. All this is good. But when you don't believe it, when you don't accept it in your heart, the Bible is saying you are slow of heart. And because of what was happening in their heart, their eyes could not see. So when Jesus wanted to correct it, what did he do? He expounded it to them. And look at what the disciples themselves said, the brothers. Look at what they said. When? In verse 31. Their eyes were opened and they knew him. Do you see? And he vanished from their sight. Now, look at what they said in verse 32. He said, they said to one another, did our hearts not born within us? While he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us. Do you see the connection between what was happening in their heart and what their eyes finally saw? Do you see? You see the connection? That when the heart believes God, when the heart accepts what the word of God has said, the eyes will appreciate God. So honestly, beloved brethren, I think where we need to anchor our prayer on in this Bible study is, Lord, help my heart. Help my heart to believe all that your word has said. Lord, even if I don't understand it, Lord, explain it to me so that I can believe. Lord, I don't want to be like one with a slow heart. A heart that 
just pushes the word of God to one side because of unbelief. And beloved, do you know unbelief is a dangerous thing? Look at these brothers. They had unbelief. They didn't accept fully what, what God has said concerning Christ in the word of, in the law. And when they crucified Jesus, even when they were saying he was alive, there was unbelief. Why? Because the heart did not accept it. And you see, for me, it's a challenge, personally. It's a challenge that God helped my heart. Because when God brings his word, what he's expecting is for your heart to embrace it in belief. Do you remember that scripture? Let me go to it. There's only one way by which I can benefit from the word of God. Is that scripture is in Hebrews? Um, let me get where it is. Yes, Hebrews chapter 4. Look at it. And that was what happened with the Israelites in, in the wilderness. Hebrews 4. Let me read it from verse 1. And I'll just read verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Verse 2. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Can I read it from another translation? I don't know how amplify. Yes, amplify. I'll just read verse 2. He said, For indeed we have had the glad tidings, gospel of God, proclaimed to us, just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But... The message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning on the entirely, entire personality of God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. The Bible said of them, of those who heard it. You see, so God wants us to profit from his word. But you see, you cannot profit from the word of God if the word does not mix with faith in the heart. In the heart. It has to mix with faith for it. You see, faith, relying like the Bible is just a bit of explanation here. Knowing that's what, that's what the word of God, you see, the word of God, the Bible says, the faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when the word of God comes, the aim of the word of God is to generate faith in the heart. And when the heart has faith, the word of God is a lovely combustion, is a lovely mixture that produces results and brings blessing 
to the life of the person who the word of God has come to. So, beloved brethren, the prayer is, oh God, help my unbelief. Lord, in your mercy, let me be let me be so vulnerable in your hand as to believe you. You see, the reason why at times you don't, we don't believe is because you want to maintain some surety. You want to maintain your, your ground. You don't want to give up easily. You don't want to just let go of your life in the hand of God. Unbelief is a product of self-consciousness and awareness because you want to maintain your ground. But what God is saying is, my word is dependable. My word is trustworthy. You can put your whole trust on it. You, you, can't, be, you can't believe the word of God and it becomes, you will lose out. No. The Bible talks about profiting. You will profit from it. You will gain from it. Yes. Um, Start a question. So is there, um, what do you see as the difference between faith and belief? Are they the same thing? Are they different? Are they Because people often use the word. Interchange them, but yes. they yeah. the scriptures that support them are different. Yes. So, you know, faith, the Bible gives us a definition of faith. Um. If I go by the Hebrews 11 definition, it talks about faith being the substance of things hoped for. It's, the, it's like the, can I use the terms of building to explain it? If you have a house, you have the title deed to that house, or you have what we call the certificate of occupancy. We call it the C of O. That's what I knew it as when I was growing up. So if you say you have a house, the proof that you have the house is first of all the that document. You know, anybody can come and stand in front of a house and say, This is my house. Anybody can do that. Now, faith is actually having that document, that legal document that this house belongs to me. <clears throat> Do you know that's why they call people like Abraham the father of faith because even before what God said about him came to pass, he had that faith. He believed God. Now, he believed God means that he accepted what God has said he embraced it. And the fact that he embraced what God has said and what God has said in his word, that is what you can define, that whole experience. Because you can believe anything you see, but faith in God is what we are trying to define. It's an, that the belief, that word belief, is actually the, you can, you can, um, you can explain it as, Accepting as embracing what God has said. And that whole experience is actually faith in God. 
So faith, the belief is actually part is a is a is is a part. That word belief is a you need that word to have faith. Faith in God is 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 very broad actually. It's not something you you it's not a you can't tie it to one thing. For instance, give an example. Look at the three Hebrew children. The three Hebrew children were in the fire, were going to be thrown into the fire. And they told the king, when they told them, you need to bow down to this image. They told the king, they said, king, we are not going to be hasty to answer you in this matter. Our God is able to deliver us. That's faith. But even if he chooses not to, (laughs) so they knew that God can choose not to deliver them and they will die in the fire. Excuse me, is that not faith? They told the king, he said, even if God chooses not to, we will still not bow down to this image. So, you know, again and again, we think faith is always in the positive. Do you get what I mean? We think that we have faith when we pray and then we get the thing we prayed for. That faith doesn't encompass that alone. Remember, faith is the substance. It's not actually the things hoped for. So look at the three Hebrew children. They knew in themselves that God can choose not to deliver them. Excuse me, is that faith? It's faith. They knew that God can say, okay, I want you to die. That is how I want you to please me. I want you to die. But that is not to the positive. But it is still faith because they understood. They relied on the personality and the nature and the will of God. And also, George, even Abraham, when he offered Isaac, that's a belief. Yes. Uh, Sorry, that's faith. Yes. Because he was going to give up his son. You, you, you know, but he was going to give up his son, who is meant to be the seed that will, according to God's promise, be the propagation so that he can be the father of all nations. So when God told him, go and sacrifice your son, your only son, <laughs> go and sacrifice him on the mountain. Actually, in Abraham's head and heart, he knew that. Well, is he not God? I will still believe what he has told me to do. You know, God, Abraham could have started arguing. God, what do you mean that you're going to sacrifice him? Did you not say this? Did you not say this? Did you not say this? I'm not going. Abraham could have done that. He would not believe and accept and embrace. And Abraham truly wanted to sacrifice that boy. Abraham was not playing games with God. He didn't say, well, let me go and see. And come, well, it's God. Well, I'm not sure. Let me go. Are we sure this is what God said? No. He had accepted in his heart. You know, so faith, actually, this kind of um, virtue, it comes by the word of God. It comes by embracing the totality. Look at what Jesus told the disciples. You are slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. 
And you see, the word of God will be coming to our lives regularly. God will be speaking his word, both personally first to you, and even corporately like this. God's intention is for faith to develop, to grow in the heart. If you want to have faith in God, go to his word. Yes. I mean, I, I don't disagree that, you know, by reading the word, it, it, it does build up your faith. But, but faith comes from God. It's a gift from God, is it not? You get, we're all given a measure of faith. Yes. Presumably when we're born again. Yes. Um, but there is, and it's also a gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith, faithfulness depends on the, the translation you use. Mm. Um, but, you know, you know, the, the true faithfulness is God in us, isn't it? He's faithful as yes. opposed to us being faithful. So, yes. uh, so are, are we more talking about the fact that, you, and again, the faith aside of a mustard seed, you know, we keep, we, we accuse people often you haven't got enough faith or you mm. need more faith, but it's a, the faith the size of a mustard seed is all you need to move mountains. So yes. it shouldn't be a big issue for a born again Christian no, to have shouldn't. enough faith. Yes. Um, and you shouldn't need to spend 15 years in a monastery to build up enough <laughs> faith to do that. So, so again, I, you know, I get what you're saying about that, but it, it still doesn't explain why it seems so difficult for Christians to have enough faith. Yeah. Doesn't it say that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? That's what it says in the book. No. Yeah, yeah. So I agree that it's a, it is a, a way and part of it. No, no, no. But that's that's what the actual Bible says about faith. So that's not that's not an actual. That's a quote from the scriptures. Yeah, and Romans yeah. twelve eight also yes. says that we're all given a measure of faith no, as no, well. No, no, but it says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of, uh, word of. So what what I'm trying to say is like the scripture you quoted, um, Dom. I was just trying to. Um, link it up with this Hebrews 4. Because the Roman scripture says faith comes by hearing. And hearing, you don't know hearing anything, hearing the word of God. So when you hear the word of God, it also, you see, you like Kevin said, when the very act that you give your life to Jesus is an act of faith. Hmm. Yes, so that's the, that's the basic. But you see, faith grows. We need to realize that even your, because it's just like a child. A child does not remain a baby forever. He grows. Mm. For that child to grow, he needs the word of God. Isn't it? The same thing with faith. Faith in God grows as well. You talked about the mustard seed. The mustard seed is called a seed because it's very small. But remember, that seed becomes a tree. It becomes a tree. Mm-hmm. That's why we need, that's why we need the word of God. It needs to grow. The faith in God is dynamic, is at work. But when you receive the word of God and it does not mix with the belief that we are discussing now, the belief that the word of God is real, that the word of God is trustworthy, that the word of God is true, that the word of God is perfect, when it does not mix with faith that comes from all those attributes, you can't profit from it. That's what, that's what I'm trying to explain. That we, 
Christian, the Christian cannot profit from the word of God if he does not believe in the perfection of the word of God, if he does not believe in the trustworthiness of the word of God, if he does not believe that the word of God can convert the soul, it can restore the soul. When that is not there, the word of God does not profit that person. So, yeah. so you see, yes, okay. Yeah. No, Hebrews eleven six also speaks into that. Yes, thank you. Then there's a there's a measure that's given to us, and then there's our responsibility to to hear the word of God so that that faith uh, continues. Yes. To, because the thing is, you know, if people that hear the word of God but don't believe it, they just don't. And so there's that. But some of us hear it. So, so all of us have heard the word of God and we've come to believe it. I see that as a privilege. But so many people heard the same thing I heard mm. and didn't believe. Just, you know, it wasn't anything. But by God's mercy, you know, our eyes, our eyes were open and we believe. Then our responsibility is to, to keep in that, isn't it? And mm. grow in it. You know, you you quoted that scripture, you made reference to that scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Let me just read it. It says, For without faith, yes. it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. You cannot come to God honestly. You see, even even if you are a Christian, you can't keep coming to God and appreciating him if you don't have faith. You, it's, a, it's a dynamic ingredient in the heart. It's an ingredient, it's a virtue that we all need to keep having and growing in to appreciate the God we have come to. We have, we need it. Okay, just look at Look at what is happening in the world. Mm. COVID and everything. In the midst of all that is happening, you go to the word of God and God is telling you, these are the signs of the end time. Mm. If you do not have faith to believe that, how will you be able to live with eternity in view in the midst of all that is going on? So, what what we what God is trying to show us again is you see that's why this message is for us. I you know I keep appropriating it to myself as well. That the problem is that when the word of God comes, because it doesn't mix with faith in the heart, what do we do? We think it is too simple to believe. We think we need one big explanation from an angel to believe what the word of God has said. You know, we, were, we asked this question in my own house one day, one evening, when we were studying scriptures. We said, if an angel came and said, um, let's give an instruction and said, oh, George household, you need to pack out of the house and go to Japan 
for instance. Eh? An angel said that. And then I was, we were reading the word of God. And God told us from his word clearly to pack out of the house and go to Japan. Do you know the natural tendency is to believe the angel first than to believe the word of God? But what God is telling us is the word of God is our, in, in our hand. The word of God is with you. That is God's mind. Believe it. Don't make the word of God inferior to any vision, to any dream, to any experience. Mm. Don't make it inferior. What you are indirectly saying is that, oh God, your word, I, have, I can question it. But the vision, because it is real, I can't question it. No. So what God is trying to tell us here is to allow, it's a prayer point. We need to enlarge our hearts. We need to ask God to help our mm-hmm. heart because it is in the heart that we profit from the word of God. Mm-hmm. It is in the heart that we understand it. The faith of God comes. We cannot apply it in our daily living when we have embraced it. When that has not happened in the heart, that's exactly what we saw the disciples. We happened with them, those brothers. When the heart has not believed it, there is no way. These were, these were followers of Jesus. They were sad. Because they did, and it happens to us. We did not believe the word of God. Of course, we can't get the blessing from it. Look at what happened. Immediately they saw Jesus and they believed. What did they, what happened? They went back that same night. You see what the faith does? They were already saying, oh, Jesus, don't worry. It's late. You can't go anywhere. Stay with us. When they knew Jesus, when faith started working, what happened, please? They got up that night. They got up that night and left and went and told the brethren in Jerusalem the good news. When faith in the word of God comes, you respond to it. So the prayer point is, oh God, help my heart. Help my heart, Lord, so that I can embrace. I can embrace your word. Yeah, because at times, George, we can always say as Christians, yes, I have faith in God. But obviously, with the faith we have in him, and uh, he has to help us to exercise our faith by, you know, sending circumstances in our lives or even what's happening in the world just to exercise our faith in mm. connection with his word, isn't it? Mm. Yes, God, God, you know, what you said is true because God does that so that your faith and my faith can grow. Even the circumstances that we face, God in mercy brings us in that environment, creates that, that situation can be there just to challenge and encourage your faith. Mm-hmm. And he has, he has not stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, but the, 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 the issue where we are trying to talk again is to emphasize is, oh God, I have your word in front of me. 
I read the story of how um, um, David was facing Goliath. And he believed that Goliath was like those animals he was dealing with in the bush. He believed that they were like the lion and the bear that he, he, he killed to protect the fathership. And it's the same thing God is trying to tell us. That the word of God you believe is not different from the word of God that you heard that brought you to Jesus. It's not different. It's the same word of God that you can believe in that will help you work with God. That you can bring even in some situations and circumstances that face you. Look at the children of the, the people of Samaria. They were, there was famine. The word of God came. Eh? The word of God came. But the person that did not believe it, excuse me, what happened to him? Remember that officer? Mm, yeah. He could not benefit. He could not profit from the word of God that came. All because there was no faith in the heart. You know, and so I just see it as a, a prayer point for us. God, help my heart. I don't want to be slow in heart. I don't want my heart to be dull, insensitive because of unbelief. The children of Israel, that was what disqualified them. Mm. If you go and read their story very well, you will notice it was lack of faith in the heart that disqualified those men, those women. They could not enter the promised land because of lack of faith mm. in what God has said. Look at Joshua and Gideon. Sorry, Joshua and, um, who was it again? Caleb, sorry. Joshua and Caleb. Look at it. Was it not what Caleb said in, in that experience? He said, see, let us arise. God has given us the land. Let us go by what God has said. Yes, there are giants in the land. But what did God say? God said, let's go ahead. And that's what, that's what gave him the victory. That's why he was able to enter the promised land. The others said, oh, they are giants. We are going to die. We are going to be dead. They are going to finish us. And can you imagine? They made the whole of the camp of Israel to be in tears. All because of that bad report. That's what lack of faith does. You see, like I said, it's just for us to pray and ask God in mercy to help our hearts so that we can, with our hearts, can respond to his word. And what's the basis for which he had to respond to the word is we've read in that um, Psalm 19, the word of God is perfect. Amen. It is true. It is trustworthy. It is something you can rely on. We will not be losers for believing the word of God. We will not be at a disadvantage. Let's not think God is cheating us. No, let's believe his word. And I trust God will help us. 
So we'll make that a prayer point, please, in our prayers. I'll stop here. Amen. Praise the Lord for his word. So we'll go to our um, prayer. And... Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 